You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Football program 107.9 FM. We're going to get right into it today. We've got a few guests. You've got Penny, Tanner, Hoth, and Dave Connors in the studio. Good morning, yeah, Dave. Good morning. It's uh, good to be back. Yeah. I, was here, I was here last Saturday. Deja vu. <laughs> yeah. Robbie Gasper was going to be joining us, but uh, something's happening rather important down at the club. Western Knights are in the um, NPL now, so yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it's associated with that. Oh, it could be. Yeah. I haven't heard. I, I should have called them and checked him out because uh, he, he should have been here, you know. He's, yeah. he's, it's his duty. I agree. <laughs> yeah, once you made a commitment, it's for life. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. A lot happening in football. Weather's been absolutely beautiful the last couple of days mm. in football. Just absolutely spot on. Night series is underway, the NPL men's night series. Yeah. Started on Friday night and the men's state league will jump in next, next weekend. weekend yeah. And then I think the women's jumps in around about that week or week after and then the other Amateur, women's yeah. leagues as oh, well yeah, amateurs and yeah everything yeah. is kicking back in yeah hardly any break really at all dave yeah a big thank you to all of our partners again this year the the usual crew which is futsal wa greg farrell and i believe annie is going to be stepping in at some point his sidekick there at subiaco and at futsal wa we'll see about that he's a hard lad to get a hold of being Futsal WA is such a busy organisation. If you want to play futsal, that's five-a-side football, to any degree, including elite football, the Superliga is the competition to play in. They have have been away over east, and maybe that might be the reason I haven't been able to get a hold of Greg this week. He's probably yeah. having some downtime. Yeah, probably. They've had their championships on the other side of Australia with the, all of the junior teams. I'm not quite sure if there's any senior teams. Greg will have to come on the show and... Tell us all about that. Yeah. Um, Football West are gearing up for a season and Abid will join us and tell us what's happening down at the State Football Centre, Sam Kerr, State Football Centre. Yep. And we'll have other guests including Tommy Dolman, Sam Gallagher, who's the TD or Technical Director for Mum FC this year. Gareth Morgan from Perth Glory is going to join us and Robbie Thompson from Paramount and Channel 10 is going to join us. Also, our partners this year are Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, Gate Automation Specialists and Fabrication of all kind of gates for your front and side of your house and Gate and Fence Hardware if you want to do anything yourself. Come and get the bits and pieces from Gate and Fence Hardware, gate latches and electric motors and things like that. We do appreciate Pete's A-League Stats website as well. He's appreciated by others, and we appreciate all the information that goes into that that we use on our show. So good on you, Pete, Pete Skeeler. And also everyone else that listens in and uh, pays homage by way of putting posts on the Facebook page, that's the World Football Group Facebook page, and paying a membership fee, which is minimal. It's like about 30 bucks. You can get in touch with the station directly and do that community program. So it's all about just... Uh, Everyone volunteering and giving their time and putting in bits and pieces that keeps us going. So we do appreciate it so we can come here and ramble on about football. Yeah, well, that's good. We need to ramble on about football. 
we do need to ramble on about football. Totally we do. Um, I have a promo here. It's called For Football Sake. It's probably about eight years old now. Before the Sam Kerr Football Centre was up and running, I'm going to play it just for a little bit of historical value there. But, uh, of course, it is up and running now. And it's called not the State Football Centre anymore. It's called the Sam Kerr Football Centre. And hopefully we'll see it being used to the maximum this year after its inaugural opening last year in the Women's World Cup year. We're going to chat to Abid Imam about what's happening down there and other things in his portfolio. We'll go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football. There's plenty to talk about. This is Penn and Dave. Stay with us and we'll be back very shortly. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. For football's sake. For the sake of our registered players. There's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game. For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues. For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond whose cultures are woven through football. For the sake of Perth Glory, the state's A-League team which aims to inspire the next generation. For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet. Football needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio with you until noon today. Our first guest is Abid Imam, and he said he's at HBF with Rugby Sevens, but in my head I just heard football, football and football, <laughs> like soccer football, of course. Abid, what's happening there at HBF? Is it matches or training or what is it? A uh, very warm greeting to everybody. Thank you, Penny and Dave. Nice to be joining you. Yeah, uh, yeah it's the World Rugby Sevens. Uh, that's happening at HBF Park for uh, day two of three, and it's the first time the uh, Rugby Sevens has ever come to the Perth Ballroom. It's really exciting. Um, it's a tournament that happens around the world, across the circuit, and uh, great to see our newly renovated stadium being used for um, for this, and something different from football. So enjoying watching the talented athletes around the world and very global vibe and very fun uh, beach atmosphere too. I like the way that the transition from the FIFA World Cup and naming the HBF Stadium, Perth Rectangular Stadium in Perth, Burlu came into your conversation then. Well done, mate. Just <laughs> <laughs> natural, you know. <laughs> yeah, like when you said Rugby Sevens, I heard football, <laughs> like soccer in my head. So this week you did it or you were part of the promotional video to um, get some 
uh, footage of uh, some of the, the players and members of Football West. What was that for, a bit? Well, Penny, we were absolutely blessed to have your presence there uh, with the goalkeeper gloves on. And uh, there's a little bit of a snippet of you and me celebrating a goal, <laughs> which has been used in one of the videos already. But, uh, of course, with the Sam Kerr Football Centre, we're really keen to um, welcome the community to get involved in different ways, come to our tournaments and um, events, and, and also with the new Football Fives, Football West Football Fives. Uh, this is an opportunity for, you know, those social five-a-side matches um, to now take place uh, for the autumn season on our five-a-side pitches. We've got uh, three of them behind the main grandstand and can't wait to activate them. Um, definitely go to our website uh, with the Football Fives information. There's uh, men's, women's and also mixed tournaments um, and also juniors too. So uh, plenty of opportunity for people to get involved. And as you've seen, Penny, the facilities are top-notch and... We're also going to add some um, fencing around the five-a-side pitches, so it will definitely add to the experience. And as you saw with the uh, the video filming, what a beautiful backdrop it is when you got the sunset and uh, some of that skill that you saw on on display. <laughs> I was super impressed by your saves, like a very talented Penny. You from Mr. Twinkle Toes? <laughs> I like the way you said there's going to be some fencing around that pitch because there was a more than a few times that we had to go and collect the balls from the car park. So the higher the better with the fencing a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and that uh, makes it more of a continuous game and more action packed as well, doesn't it? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, and you're right. Um, it is an excellent location, and because it's such an expansive one, there's nothing to. Uh, block out a beautiful skyline. I think um, Winthrop Park, which is one of the Melville ground, is like that. When the sun goes down, there's the pine trees. There's not a lot of pine trees left in the city of Melville area, but when the sun goes down over the pine trees, it makes some beautiful sunsets. Mm, yeah. Mm. Absolutely, and that's the beauty of the Stanford Football Centre location because um, previously that was bushland and uh, Football West and the city of Canning and the government worked really closely with um, the local leaders and, and making sure that even the site now is very much um, incorporated into that bushland. So if you're in the grandstand, if you're in our offices, you can actually get a, a really sweeping view of beyond the pictures, there's that bush forever and uh, it looks really beautiful. So uh, it's a nice, uh, a nice design, the layout of the place as well. You did mention that the NTC were training there the night that we were uh, doing the action for that uh, promotional video. Is that yeah. the landing space for NTC? And I think maybe Perth Glory, are they going to be the not the, the professional team but the, um, the, the young side that's in the NPL competition? Are they going to be also based at the State's Football Centre this year? Uh, I don't know what's confirmed in regards to Perth Glory, but then also definitely for um, Hyundai... Women's NTC and, and our programs there, they're definitely um, definitely a big part of the venue. So they're using it, um, I see them almost baby there. And that's so awesome because they get access to the best facilities and helps with their development. And we're seeing, of course, with Kirk Laurie women's, a lot of the players are coming through and now um, getting opportunities in their first team. Absolutely. So, it's so good to see that pipeline. Will that mean yeah. that the NTC are going to be playing all their home games on the main pitch there? Uh, yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, nice. um, unless our comps team will um, tap me on the shoulder and say differently, but yeah, it's going to be used for. That's exactly what it was designed for, and why the the sensor is um, is there. So it'll get a lot of action, that's for sure, this winter. Yeah, that's good. Well, 
all those money, all the money's been spent for a damn good reason then to have football on it. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. What about uh, what else is happening in the lead up to the year? There's some uh, banter around having a women's Masters League, and I know that from the women's forum that uh, was held there at the football centre last month or just before Christmas, I can't remember now, there was a lot of encouragement to have a Women's Masters League kick off this year. We really are supporting a Women's Masters and from understanding it's going to be the first in Australia to happen. Um, so we were very keen working with the Football West team to get a good understanding of what the players and clubs wanted as well. So we did the forum, as, as you mentioned, and also a survey, um, which is important to hear the players' voices and we got a very resounding amount of support uh, for the concept and uh, the, what the players wanted, which was 11 aside, home and away, um, your your regular traditional football. Uh, and it's a bit of decision-making around the age group, so it's over 35, uh, 35s and over. And uh, we're looking for at least four teams this season so then we can support it. And we really just need to, to start something. Um, and then hopefully from there it can flourish and grow and we can have uh, something that's the template for the rest of Australia, which is pretty cool. But um, we're just really hoping the clubs can get on board. We're really looking to support them. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out and find out some advice, I know there's some clubs like Vic Park who are really um, taking a lot of leadership in terms of how they've set up their Women's Masters program. Um, so we're keen to work with the clubs and, and look to you know just start something in 2024. What a great year to do it after the Women's World Cup. Yes. Uh, what can you tell us about the effects of the Women's World Cup on how Football West might be gearing up this year or new programs or events in the 2024 space? Yeah, I know there's a lot of movement going on and around competitions. Uh, well, Masters is one, but there's some work in the, the youth programs um, around conversations for under-15s, under-17s. Uh, we had Ray Dower here for the, uh, the forum um, who really gave us some great advice and to the leaders who were in the room around stretching and supporting players, uh, how we can do that in a way that's not copy-pasting um, men's football. So it's taking a very um, individualised approach and, and supporting players' growth in the right way. So I think that's something uh, important. And also working with Sarah Duplessis, who's our um, female football manager, there's going to be a lot in this space but, uh, watch the space again, I'm saying. But around coaching development, um, the big one for us is also the Club Changer program. We're very, very, very close to having 50 clubs now in WA that are on Club Changer. And it's all free. It's a Sport Australia online development platform, uh, which is free to do. And it's a great way for the clubs to get support on how to grow the women and girls programs. Um, and then also, I'm very happy to come out and meet clubs to help them on their journey with that. So um, that's an exciting one, and there's lots of perks and grants funding um, to support clubs who are on Club Changer. So that's going to be a big program for us in 2024. Um, yeah, lots of different areas, Penny. I, I love the way that you automatically jumped into the female and women's football space then, and not at yep. all about, about the men. But um, just to clarify, that Club Changer program is for everybody, isn't it? That's not just about female clubs. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, so it's um, Club Changer is actually called Game Plan for all other clubs of other sports in Australia. But after the legacy funding, we were able to make it football specific a little bit, and it's called Club Changer from a Football Australia point of view. And it's the same platform. 
It's just got a women and girls in football module, which is the only thing that's football specific. Everything else is actually supporting club development, which is broader, overarching, and really useful for clubs in that strategic element. You know, the best clubs that I've seen in WA that have been able to really achieve what they want to achieve are the ones who do the work and the ones who've sat down and done a strategic plan and, and got some action plans and have got a committee who are looking at a more strategic level. I know that uh, with our volunteers, there's a lot of, um, you have to be there on the ground and, and do things as well, but clubs who can maybe step back and go, you know, where do we want to be in four, five years um, in the future? Those are the ones who actually have a, a bit of a why, a purpose for being and a philosophy, and, and those are the ones who are really successful. So it's that template and that sharing of knowledge that we're really keen to do with um, Club Changer, and it's, it's correct it's for all clubs who want to grow I think that the program last year called uh, Women in Football, or hang on, uh, the Leadership Football Program for, I can't remember the exact name of it now, help me out a bit, the, yeah. the one that Sarah Duplessis um, coordinated, that was absolutely fantastic because the aftermath of that was that all the, the females that were involved in it have been connecting. They've been going to the glory, having dinners beforehand, sharing their programs, and that's the kind of connection that you want in football generally, isn't it, really? Um, it's great that in the Women's World Cup year a lot of connections and engagements have happened to facilitate better opportunities uh, for females. However, you know, we want all of football to connect in the kind of same way. There's some awesome things that we talked about on the women's side, and it's great that that's the conversation. But uh, the, the game plan and the and the club changer is an awesome platform for everybody to jump into and for you specifically because you are such a great person with your effervescent personality to be driving that into the clubs absolutely you know just uh during this week i met with four clubs three in one day so you know do the hat trick Uh, i love it i love getting out there and talking to clubs finding out what they need what where they want to go in the future and we're here to support them and you know, when you talk about the Women's Leadership Program, one of the coolest things is seeing uh, the, the alumni when they meet each other in the community. <laughs> I've been there in, in, in um, present when a few of them are catching up, and it's just so wholesome because, you know, it's that support for each other. You know, we all need it in all elements of the game, and um, one of the people who was um, part of that program is now the Sport West um, Community Volunteer of the Year finalist, uh, Renee Fossil. So yeah, she's the Baldivis District President, and... She also was a, a FIFA volunteer and uh, volunteered at the National Para Championships at the uh, Centre Football Centre, and great to see that she's being recognised. And uh, yeah, it's been really cool. It, it is now a bit. We've got Tommy Dolman raring to um, follow your headline act here at the moment, um, so we'll have to cut it short. But uh, please do join us again, and uh, yeah, keep us up to date with what's happening at Football West. Love having a chat to you, young man. Thank you, guys. Thanks for all your great work and. Um, yeah, to the listeners, uh, all the best for the beginning of the season. Um, keep smiling, keep scoring. And registration's <laughs> are open. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Play football, that's it. Thanks, Abid. Enjoy the rugby. Bye. 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 Yeah. That was Abid Clubs doing better, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Love it. We are going to go to break because we're going to catch up with Tommy Dolman very shortly. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Program. Thank you so much for listening in and keep listening. Everybody has goals.
Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny and Dave in the studio and Tommy Dolman joins us. Good morning and Happy New Year. I don't think we've spoken to you this year yet, Tommy. No, morning Penny, morning Dave and a Happy New Year to you both as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Tommy. The night series is off and running already and uh, the first of many different night series that will be hitting this space over the next month or so, some short, some long. I think the shortest night series is probably the women's metro or central. I'm not quite sure what they're going to call it. I think it's three weeks in duration. But uh, the men's has kicked off and... That'll be the longest-running one, I should think. Yeah, I would imagine. Right up until the season starts. What's happening already in the night series, Tommy? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a reality check, isn't it, Penny, when you have your Christmas, your New Year, and then on January 25, <laughs> you're walking down to Dorian Gardens to watch night series. And <laughs> that was that was pretty much what I did um, on Thursday night. I went down to check out um, a, a few of the teams, actually, that I've not sort of really heard much about in terms of the off-season and, and, and what was going on. Um, so, yeah, good to get down there. There was actually a good crowd um, down at Dorian Gardens for a Thursday night before the public holiday. Um, plenty of people in the seats and um, obviously plenty of the football community down there as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's a little bit of a taste of what we've got to come for the um, the night series in general off the pitch. And on the pitch, there was two actually pretty entertaining games. We saw um, Olympic Kingsway come from two goals down to beat um, Inglewood United 3-2. Um, Inglewood United, who are now under Taki Nicolaitis, who's um, returned to the club for a second stint there at Inglewood Stadium. Um, they've um, brought in a couple of interesting signings uh, in the off-season. Probably the most notable of those is Kataro Yamamoto, the Japanese forward who um, hit double figures for Balcata last season in the league. And um, he looks like a player who's um, going to be very interesting uh, at the pointy end of the pitch if they've last season's anything to go by. So five goals in the first game there as Kingsway came from behind. Obviously, they've had a busy off-season as well. Um, and then the second game, we saw Perth and Floriot play out a seven-goal thriller. Perth winning by four goals to three. It was 3-3 three, three at half-time. Um, two teams who seemingly are going to go in a bit of a, a younger direction uh, this season. Um, a lot of young players on show. I'm not sure whether that was because there's still players to come back or whether that's just the, the, the way in which the sort of lay of the land is 
is working, obviously, with those two teams and, and their respective um, directions they're heading in. But it certainly led to an exciting game. And, hey, if we're going to see 12 goals in two games, Penny, then bring on more of that. Well, yeah. absolutely. And absolutely. we want to be talking about that, right? Because we want to get <laughs> bums on seats and people eating the pies and drinking the coffee at the canteens. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, um, yeah, like I said, it was pretty well attended on um, on Thursday night. To say it was January and... Um, Obviously, it was um, a, a public holiday the day after. So, um, yeah, no, it was um, it was good. And always always some familiar faces. As, as you're well aware in the football community, we're all pretty tight-knit, aren't we? And we all seem to see each other everywhere we go, the same places. But um, it's good to see. And in terms of the men's side of things, we've got a couple of other um, opportunities this weekend. Um, Alfred Skeet Reserve, 5 p.m., 7 p.m. Um, tonight. You've got Western Knights, newly promoted against the uh, the Champions Perth Red Star and Armadale hosting Valcatta. Um, so that's tonight at Alfred Skeet Reserve. And then in the northern suburbs, Macedonia Park, Perth Glory versus Bayswater and, and Sterling versus Fremantle. So um, also newly promoted Fremantle City as well. So it'll be intriguing to see how they look against a uh, Sterling side who've been uh, fighting at the top end of the league over the past couple of seasons. So, yeah, pretty um, pretty good opportunity to see some night series north, south and, and central this weekend. And obviously we've got that on the men's side of things for another five weeks and the women's all um, will get going uh, towards the middle to end of February, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Go on. Yeah, I'm just... What time is the kickoffs, Especially the Armadale game. So the so the Armadale games are 5pm and 7pm. Um, okay. So thankfully, it, well, it feels pretty warm outside based on the 10 minutes I've just spent outside. So... Um, so hopefully that'll um, some of that heat will dissipate by the time the players get on the pitch tonight. And um, uh, Sterling, I believe, is also the same time tomorrow night at Macedonia Park, 5pm and 7pm. OK. I note from year to year, the night series tends to use the same venues. Um, Macedonia's ground's going to be well used in the first half of the season with the Glory women using that. And then I guess it'll have to have some kind of uh, break, maybe, to then move into the NPL. Yeah. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, but yeah. obviously the Perth Glories A-League um, women's side are playing there as well, so it's getting plenty of usage. Um, but it's a, it's a cracking little venue is Macedonia Park to go and watch football, especially when you get plenty of supporters under that um, under that stand, so, and it makes plenty of noise. So, um, yeah, there, there's some usage. But just in general, I think in terms of the fixtures, um, it, it does feel um, pretty well spread out across the board. Um like I said, obviously this weekend, Dorian Gardens, Alfred Skeet Reserve, Macedonia Park. Um, but later in the night series, we've got games at French Drago Reserve and, and Inglewood as well. Um, last season, there was games at um, Coburn's Ground um, when they were in the MPL uh, as well. And um, yeah, so I, I think they, that, that's that's part of the, the, the method, I believe, is to try and sort of share it around a little bit and um, give people an opportunity to get to their local grounds uh, Obviously, as early in the season as possible, and that's obviously just MPL. Uh, of course, we've got some um, some state league night series to follow as well, and that's um, four. Uh, that's uh, six groups of four, I believe. Sorry, um, with the three games in each pool, and then all of the group winners go through, and the two best uh, second place sides go through to make the final eight, the quarterfinals, and and then it goes on from there. So. Yeah, there's no risk rest for the wicked, Penny. Um, it only feels like a couple of weeks ago when the season ended, and then what would you know? It we're back into the swing of things again. But uh, this is why we this is why we love the game, don't we? We all we all get involved in it, and we all embrace it, and uh, we're all pumped for it to get underway properly. The local football. 
Yes. How are the grounds all looking? Are there, I know that uh, Macedonia had new seats and a lick of paint put on it, which uh, gave it a, a real nice sparkle. I really liked that. And I must ask Gareth, because we've got Gareth Morgan on uh, after yourself, what is that new building on the <coughs> Macedonia's Park looking with the club room behind you to the right, the far right? Do you know what that is? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. So I've, I've um, I, I went away over Christmas and New Year, so I've actually not been to Macedonia Park since um, since the since before Christmas. So it's been a little while for me. Uh, the only ground I've I've been to obviously is um, is Dorian Gardens on a Thursday night, and and the pitch was playing pretty well there. Um, and a cool little feature as well, actually, probably worth mentioning is um, what they've what they've done. I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but um, Perth Soccer Club have hung uh, banners. Um, on that um, sort of brick wall behind the goal to the left of the, the grandstand um, with some of their trophies and, um, and and some of the history that they've um, ob- obviously sort of taken over the years in terms of the silverware they've won and, and the prizes and the league titles and and, uh, and things like that going all the way as, as far as the most recent um, trophy that they won, which was the NPL Women's Night Series last season. So... That's a cool little feature, and that's something um, that that's something where I'm, I'm always happy to see that where clubs are always embracing their history and displaying that, and um, giving um, people who attend these games that bit of context when they go out on a match day. But I've I've taken a bit of a detour there, Penny. Sorry. Um, no, in terms of opinion, I'm actually sorry, happy. I'm, not... with, I'm actually happy with that, Tommy, because where the media sit and what they see is influences what you say, right? So if you're on the other side of the park and you can't see, you know, people are listening to you, but they can't see stuff. But you're describing what's around the ground. I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. And like, good on Perth bragging about all of their accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely, go for right. it. We should see more of that around ground. And it's a little bit difficult sometimes with some of the grounds that ground share to put up a bit of history and and their sponsored things like that. So, good on them. Yeah. Happy yeah, and, and we've and, and we've seen it. Um, we've seen it as well. Obviously, at the club rooms in Dorian Gardens. But if you go to Inglewood Stadium as well, they've got some uh, old jerseys on their display wall from the uh, from the Kiev days. Um, Florida have, have got some uh, some silverware up in parts of their clubhouse at the NV Leader Stadium as well. So yeah, it's it's terrific. And um, these, these are these are um, very very sort of famous old clubs, big names in WA football, but they're also big. Um, sort of community assets as well, and uh, in, in that sense as well, they they mean a lot. Um, not just on the football side of things, but they mean a lot to a lot of people. So any time that you do get to show off that history and that and those and those origins, I think is fantastic, and it all adds that context, it all adds that flavour and, and narrative to when you go and watch a local game. So yeah, more of more of that, please. And I know that you're you're in particular a, a big fan of, of clubs showing off their history as well, Penny as yep. well, given um, some of the things that you've been sort of looking to do with the the WA Football Museum and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And at this moment, I would definitely like to give a plug to Brett Klusnik and his new website that's just gone live over the weekend called uh, WA Over Yonder. So WA Over Yonder, he's put an absolutely immense amount of work and research into putting WA football history up there. So go on to that and have a look. It's already been shared right around Australia to a lot of other states and historians in the game. And that's, that's what we want, isn't it? Um, Tommy, we want to celebrate our history. We want to share it. We want other people to recognise it. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, got it. you've got to display it uh, for, for sure. There's, if, you, if you win trophies, be, be proud of them in, yep. uh, and, and show them off. And um and also as well, when you've got your, your, your juniors walking through those club rooms and they're looking up and they're seeing trophies from the 1960s, 1970s, they, 
it, it all sort of adds adds to their sort of experience of the club as well, and they can sort of look in and go, "Geez, I'm, I'm playing for a club here with some real a punch in terms of the silverware that they've won over the years." So yeah, I, I'm all for that, and um, yeah, I think that's something that in general, if uh, if there's anything that, that the clubs can do to sort of show that and display that, I think that's um, sensational. Now, before we let you go, uh, we did talk to a bit about having the women's NTC matches at the State Football Centre. So some of your match commentary is going to be from the new State Football Centre. How good will that be? Pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, the, 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 NT, the NTC uh, on the NPL women's side and also the Perth Glory men in the NPL, uh, uh, men's NPL side, I believe, are, are also playing home games there as announced by Football West. So... Yeah, I mean it's a fantastic place to, to call games. I was um, I was very fortunate to call the first competitive games the State Cup final last season. Um, it was a real honour. So um, yeah, the more times that I get to go to that venue, the better, Penny. Um, yeah. And why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to feel that way um, when when it's such a, a terrific facility? So yeah, yeah. Looking looking forward to that. And um, yeah, in terms of um, in terms of the women's MPL, obviously um, the, the NTC. It's going to be an interesting, um, I suppose. Um, season for them coming up because obviously we, we saw um, a lot of the players such as Georgia Cassidy, such as Tanika Lala, such as Grace Johnston, uh, Ruby Cuthbert, um, and Eskia Brooking, for example, um, sort of move on to, to, to opportunities at a higher level. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the NTC replace those players. They've always got such a, a good um, system coming through. I know Sam Geddes and, um, and Conrad McKelsey do a a terrific job um, with, with some of those um, juniors who are, who are just below Ben Anderson's side at NPL level, and um, yeah, they'll be. Um, I'm sure they'll be able to come up and, and, and slot in very well. But um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how they look, and and also the um, the NPL women's side, Teddy. There's um, as you know with the NPL and, and the state league, and, and Dave probably knows this as well um, from his, his times as well. Um, obviously with, with uh, Mum FC and that, but uh, it, it's always very fascinating when you go to a ground, uh, whichever competition it is, and you see a player on the pitch that you didn't know would move clubs, and you go, oh, right, they've moved there. <laughs> cool. Um, so, and, and yeah, it's, um, yeah it's, just, it's just something that you've got to recalibrate in your own mind a little bit, but it's all part of the excitement. It's the time of year. Oh, absolutely. Now, we can't finish this chat without mentioning Queen's Park. Queen's Park are making a resurgence in the local football space. They're... Their social presence is totally way beyond where they're at you know, at the moment practically, but they are clearly trying to get back into that elite space that they had pre-women's NPL, which was about the 2018-2019 period. So have you got any news for us there, Tom, or do we have to check in later with this? Uh, well, I, I, to be honest with you, Penny, I, I don't know, and I don't think I don't think many people know this. Uh, this uprising, I suppose, for, for want of a better <laughs> phrase, has sort of come a little bit out of not out of nowhere, but um, but but it, like you said, they're, they're sort of really sort of um, putting themselves out there and um, trying to sort of bring that back. So again, we we speak about history, um, as as we did about five or five minutes or so ago. You know, Queens Park are a, a club that did some fantastic things on on the women's side of the game for such a a long time and um, there's a lot of players um, that I see in the NPLWA women's competition who still talk about um, their Queen's Park days whenever I um, whenever I interview them or I bump into them and, um, and, the, and the fondness of their experience working with the, um, the coaches and the club there. So, yeah, if they're, um, if, if they're coming back and they're, they're aiming to come back with a bang, then all power to them and um, it's all about if, if, you, if you have ambition and you want to do that, then yeah, bring it on. Uh, the more clubs we have in, in WA football uh, with that sort of mentality and, and attitude to put themselves out there and 
and, and grow their clubs and um, even try and get back to where they were. But I, think, I think that's fantastic for the game in general. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it's, I, I think it's this important. Is, I think this is a watch this space kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. movement. Yeah. yeah, and wish them all the best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate that. And we'll catch in again with you uh, sometime during the night series for sure. Always a pleasure, guys. Take care. Enjoy thanks, Tom. Weekend. See ya. Thanks, Tommy. Tommy Dolman, match reporter for Football West. Um, they're just getting out and about and getting back into it, as yeah. a lot of us are. Yeah. Except if you've been doing pre-season. You've probably been back into it for a while. Some it's, of the teams have been going since, you know, mid-November. Yeah. Yeah. Just a few weeks break. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, yeah. Has, we have to talk about that conversation at some point. What does that mean on your bodies and more... More opportunities is great. And I think in the women's space, we, we'll talk about it more because we're still laying a lot of foundations and structures in place for women's football. Yeah. Um, we haven't quite got the ingredients right, so to speak, or, or the formula of getting the best out of players and teams. While the uptake is so massive, it's just infilling all of those spaces with uh, enthusiasm right now. Yeah. And um, Sam Kerr is the 13th, unlucky, 13th player to do an ACL in the Women's Super League in England. Yeah. 13. There's been like 70 in the past 18 months or yeah, two yeah. years or something. It's ridiculous. No, it's quite funny because uh, I was talking to a um, former goalkeeper, Australian goalkeeper, and I forget her name. Tracy Wheeler. Tracy Wheeler. Yep. And she said uh, about the synthetics yep. that uh, they've had no... ACLs have had one ACL problem and that was done in Bilkata. Hold that thought. Let's have that conversation with Sam who will get up <laughs> next, okay? Yeah, well, he, he's he's on it. He's yeah. been trampling around on it. Good. Yeah. This is Penn and Dave. We're talking football on the World Football Programme. Keep listening in. And if you miss any part of the show or you travel away from your radio, you can go onto the worldfootballprogram.com.au website <clears> and load up the podcast or listen live. We'll be back very shortly. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. The glory and we're singing Cause this story must be told We sing glory, come on glory Glory boys give us a goal 
Our gain's a great tradition. Let the future now unfold when the glory marches on. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Glory, glory, birth, glory. Our boys are marching on. Our boys will strike like lightning. On their goals we'll have a feast. Our defense will take all the blows of any from the east. You'll hear the crowd a-roaring, and you'll know that we are one when the glory marches on. Glory, glory, That was a little bit of history, the old uh, Steve Armstrong Perth Glory song. <laughs> I love that. We need a Mum FC anthem. We've been going on since 1968, nine. What is it, Dave? What's the year it says on your shirt there? Um, 69. 69, yeah. Yeah, we need an anthem for the club. What do the boys sing when they win a game? Oh, well, uh, Tucky changed it uh, uh, when we uh, won promotion. And it's that famous song that uh, goes around the world. Everybody's singing it. What is it? You can't uh, remember it off the top of your head, can yeah, you? We'll put, we'll put Sam on the spot, shall yeah. we? Good morning, Sam. How are you? Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Dave. How are you guys? Good. Good morning. We've got Sam Gallagher, who... Is it is that the correct pronunciation of your surname, Sam Gallagher? Yeah, close enough. Gallagher is the... Uh, Gallagher, OK. The, the correct one, but I, I don't mind either. Gallagher is quite uh, easier to say for the Aussie accent. So, it's, um, <laughs> with that. so Sam Gallagher, who is the Mum FC Murdoch University Melville Football Club Technical Director. So what is the song that gets sung in the change room when the Melville teams are going to win this year, Sam? Have you got something like written or in your phone that you're going to present to everyone and say, learn this, or is there something that they have come to you with and go, Sam, TD, this is what we sing when we win a game? Yeah, interesting. I'm not really a big... um, I've never really (laughs) been been big into that. Um, I know it's quite a popular thing, like, uh, in Australian culture, like especially with AFL and... um, but I've never really had that in teams that I've been in, um, the, the, the winning song. A couple of teams that I have been have done it, but I'm more like uh, if there's an actual club song, then great. Um, if, if there isn't one and teams want to do their own thing, then as long as there's no uh, vigorous swearing with the younger kids, then it's um, whatever. If there's a Mum FC song, then that'd be great. I'd have to find out. Oh, yeah. there is one, yeah. It's uh... on the men's side. I think it's one on the women's side. No, no. In fact, I don't know many clubs since the streaming has come in for Football West. There's been a, a bit of vision in yeah. some of the clubs and their change rooms, men's side of things. Yeah. After they win, you know, beers getting shaken and wine and yeah, and, and uh, vigorous you know, songs. The, the bad language is not a good no fix. You know, if you've got some of the young kids in. With the players who have been admit, though, boys. I haven't heard any bad language. Maybe they've you know edited or only put the ones online that is the yeah. G-rated versions. Don't know. <laughs> you have to get someone lob some onto the World Football page so we can have a listen, see what your your clubs <laughs> got out there. <laughs> I'm sure that'll that'll impress Pete. He likes yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> so Sam, pre-season, we're we're into it or have been into it for a while. I'd, I'd say with the night series starting soon. How's the club shaping up under your tutelage? Yeah, good. I mean, it, it's been the the senior uh, program, so the men's state league and the women's NPL have been going for a little while. They did some stuff pre-Christmas. 
Um, and they've obviously got their night series coming up pretty shortly. I think uh, maybe two weeks for the men or, or even earlier, and then the women a couple of weeks after that. Yep. Um, so it's all it's all been going along um, smoothly is maybe the wrong word, but but they're in a they're in a pretty good position at the moment through a lot of hard work from um, from some people, especially on the women's side. Um, but I think the the senior teams are looking in good positions. We had um, the men's had a had a game last uh, Thursday night against North Perth, um, which was good. Good to see them out there in a in a proper game. Uh, and the women have some friendlies teed up pretty pretty soon. So the senior programs are coming along well. And then the um, the junior MPL guys had their first session on on Wednesday, which was nice. Um, we normally train Wednesday Fridays, but we had yesterday off, obviously for the public holiday. Um, so they'll start to get back into the swing of things, and then slowly but surely, teams are now starting to form and and um, and come back into training, which is really fun for field logistics, as you can imagine, for Mum FC, which is a is a huge club and has three separate field locations with all different uh, times and booking systems. And so, uh, myself and a guy called Ricky are having lots of fun trying to figure out a system to, to have as much. Um, Equality is possible amongst all the teams at Mum FC. You said junior NPL in that conversation, but there's not actually <coughs> a junior NPL structure this year, is there? Well, it's... no, they've kept it the same. I think the um, junior review and what I saw that came back was a lot of changes going to be implemented in 2025. Um, so, from what I'm aware, the JNPL will stay pretty similar to what it did last year with a, a seven-round conference phase and then break into two divisions. Um, I think all the changes are going to be implemented in the 2025 season. From that's from what I know. Maybe someone will um, update me, and then I'll have to roll with that. But I think that's the uh, that's the scenario for this season. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, how's the goalkeeping stocks looking across the entire club, men's and women's elite teams? Yeah, it's. it's I didn't realise how tricky it was, but it is difficult. Um, we're, we've we've just kind of spoken and, and going to offer another another position to a female player in the in the senior space, which is great. We now should have um, at least a keeper per team, which is kind of a minimum, obviously. Um, and then ideally, it's good to have another another one or two sprinkled in there that we can have a backup if someone gets injured. Um, so it, that's kind of relieved a lot of pressure to be able to have a, a keeper for the WMPL. Uh, going to have a twenty ones keeper and a 16s keeper and then working towards all the other teams as well um so that's good uh, but always on the lookout for more keepers um the men's are still looking at they've got a, a first team keeper in place but they're looking to maybe add one or two if they can from you know 18 20 uh, reserves and first team um but we're kind of okay with at least one per team which is which is helpful um but it'd be good to be good to try and see if we can get at least one or two maybe sprinkled throughout so there's a bit of backup there um i think keepers sometimes can be they can be it can be really good for them and really bad if if um if you only have one per team then they're going to get a full game every game then someone gets injured and then they're needing to doubling up and that and that can be difficult when um you're playing across different venues or it can be a lot to ask um especially young keepers so um it's a hard one because i think one of the the hard things that i've uh, experienced is when Yes, you've done something one way, like if every team the season before only had one keeper, then you try and change it and add a keeper or two. Parents and kids say that's going to take away from my game time. Um, so you've got to try and find a good um, a good balance and middle ground where you're not cutting down their game time uh, enormously, but you're also having a bit of a 
a backup plan there that helps if someone gets injured, which, I mean, every year I've ever been in football, there's always been a keeper that's been injured. Um, so, you know, it's good to have a bit of a backup and, and, and also have and have more keepers at training, really, which is always nice. Every coach probably in the MPL and even the community space will be able to say, you know, how often do they have two keepers at training or even one sometimes. Um, so I think as a coach, if you can provide coaches with with two keepers a session it's great it opens up your options to do so much more within the session in terms of games or shooting or um things that can that can really help uh, uh engage the players more and, um, and provide a better training environment sam also having a goalkeeper trainer is um an absolute bonus is tracy wheeler back yeah. with the mum fc npl squad yeah, so good to have Tracy. I think obviously that was really lucky for me. To I didn't have to do much. She was kind of already there and um, keen to get involved, which is great because I think it's really important and, and can be quite a difficult one in my experience to get a get a goalkeeper coach on board. Um, so really good that we have her, and then it would be great to work with her to try and figure out a plan for the for the junior um, girls and um, and same on the men's side, trying to get um, at least someone that can deliver regular goalkeeper training um, just takes a little bit of pressure off the coaches and maybe don't feel as comfortable um, delivering uh, stuff to goalkeepers uh, even for me like um, I'm not wouldn't be super comfortable running a keeper session um, but I feel like I could cater more to other positions on the field so it's really good to be able to have um, someone with experience that can that can coach the, the kids and also for what happens in a lot of senior teams is Sometimes you don't get a goalkeeper coaching, and then the, the senior goalkeeper is kind of like, all right, you, can you take you know yourself and, and, and the, the reserves keeper or the 21s keeper, and you know you run the session over there for half an hour, but you're not asking any other field players to um, to take part in, in coaching. So sometimes it can kind of put on the demand a little bit and, and maybe take away from what they want to do. And that's something that um, I'm having conversations with on the men's side of the moment and trying to find a bit of a. Um, someone that can do that for the senior um, sessions and then maybe free up some of those senior players to, to do coaching outside of their training time, like to come down and help with the junior kids. Um, but it, sometimes if they feel they have to do it as part of their session, it kind of can create a bit of a negative um, environment if they just want to turn up and train, which is understandable. And how's, yep. how's the pre-season going on the artificial surface and the the heat and... Um, injury prevention and building up bodies and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, listen, it's something to to really take into account. And we've been quite lucky. We haven't had that many, like, super hot nights. Um, when it's been, We've been kind of lucky with the days that we've trained, having that little break over um, the Christmas period where it was really hot. And, and I think next week is going to be quite warm, so that could be could be tricky. But, yeah, it's a balance, right? It's We're, we're lucky in the women's space. We've got... Um, like a strength and conditioning guy on board who's working with the 21s and the first team. So he kind of takes control of a lot of that. He's monitoring a lot of the loads, which is great. Um, It would be great to add someone like that to the men's side as well. Um, And I've got a bit of experience in terms of managing the younger kids. It's a little bit easier there. They're kind of still growing and stuff. So that's maybe the big thing you've got to take into account. But I think also balancing the time on the artificial. So I'm going to work with, with uh, especially the WMPL and the Men's Day League to maybe not do every single session on the artificial, um, to have some sessions on grass and break it up um, because I think it can take its toll uh, on the body, especially on the joints and stuff. And, and like you said, when it gets really hot, it can be, um, it can be quite sapping. So uh, making sure that we kind of 
balance that out and make sure that the players are getting looked after. You're sounding very relaxed and that could be because there's no training sessions at all today and no soccer stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it could be because whatever Sam's plan for Murdoch University is, is going quite nicely. Is that the case, Sam? Oh, listen, there's... There's challenges all the time. I'm, I'm glad that I come across um, stress-free, but it is. It's stressful, but, but I just try and take every day as it comes and um, and we try and add things where, where we can to make it better. And listen, there's always going to be little things that pop up, um, but I think if people are looking towards me for guidance, um, it's important that I kind of show that everything's okay, maybe sometimes even if it's not. Um, that's, I guess, what I'm being paid to do is manage that. So I'm hoping that I can make people feel that um, it is going well, even if there's little things that we need to fix. And, uh, and I want to have an environment where people feel that they can come to me and say, listen, uh, this isn't working or, or this is working. Uh, and, and, and that's where we can help affect change. Because really, the people on the ground running the sessions um, are the ones coming in, into contact with issues. Um, so if we can have a space where they feel open to, to let me know about those things and we can try and find solutions, that's the kind of goal. I'm not going to I've come into a new club, so I'm not going to know everything off the bat. Um, there's lots of little nuances that each club has. So if I can use the people who are on the ground who have been here for, for a long time or even people that are new, um, they're the ones that are going to know the little differences between clubs. Um, and that's what I'm trying to uh, help with because I can come in and try and affect and do everything that I want to do in my own head, but I don't maybe know what's going to be in front of me. So... I really need to use the people at Murdoch, um, and that's my plan. And yeah. really, sometimes it's quite difficult to do in the off-season because you can have all these great plans, and I think the first time I was a TD, I did. I spent a lot of time planning and then realised I had to change a lot of those things when we actually got back in training because there was a few unforeseen yeah. um, I, areas. Are you getting a good backup from the, the um, senior parts of the club to help you out? Uh, you know... Yeah, have they prepared for game days yet? Or? Yeah, so I, I'm quite lucky. Um, Mark Anthony and um, Lenny and now Danny Campiani, I don't know if I'm saying his last name, I'd better get that right, but um, they're really organised and they've got uh, Vim um, uh, Armstrong, yeah. who, uh, Vim Schumann, I should say, I think his last name's on it. So he's, um, he's kind of got like a minor, like a vice president role, which is basically helping them with the admin side. A lot of those guys are quite experienced. Um, it's just a few little things like getting used to the club, which luckily guys like Vim and Danny have been around Murdoch before. Um, and Mark's a really good guy to work with. Um, and the guys in the reserves and the 18s are, have kind of been really smooth, to be honest. And there's a few little things, but to be fair, Brian Rayburn, like as the president, he's, um, he's really looking to get his feet on the ground and help out wherever he can. He was down there the other night helping us. Um, so it's really cool to have people that just really want to kind of take their time out and help. Um, and listen, there's going to be little bumps, but I think by the time we get going into the season, we'll have it all pretty much sorted. And it's good to have these game days. We had, we've got a few home games booked in for all different parts of the club. So I like to do that in pre-season so you can have a bit of a practice run and realise, okay, little things we didn't even think about were, for example, the change rooms are on a key card. So if it's only one person has the key card, you're back and forth to different change rooms trying to lock. There's all these things that you can't plan, you know, so it's good to have these practice runs and then yes. come up with some solutions. So basically I'm just, all this time in pre-season is just noting stuff down, um, little things that we need to change and then 
hopefully have a pretty smooth running machine by the time the season comes around. Yeah. It, it is a big machine to have to get running too. And uh, I will give uh, a big pat on the back that it looks like the club has picked up quite a few new sponsors for this year. And because it is a big club, it does need as much support as possible, not just from you know humans with, with arms and brains that can help, but it, it needs the financial support and other resources like um, access to gyms, uh, good grounds, um, money that can pay the human resources and pay for the the uniforms and all that kind of stuff. So it looks like the club's really yeah. dug in and got some um, good backup for this okay, year. I haven't seen anything. I just saw the <laughs> it was a bit untidy with the over the sort of tail end of the winter period. All the banners have sort of fallen off. And yep. Still lying there. I'm not sure they've been cleared up. Or oh, not. I'm pretty sure they've been <laughs> being cleared up now. And yeah. the new sponsors have stepped in, and their social presence on the club platform is pretty good. The, the club's actually got about four thousand followers on their Facebook page. It's pretty massive for yeah. a club Facebook page. So socially, it's a big club by numbers, and it's connecting, yeah. do, doing all the right connections. Dave, I know you want to ask a question, but I wanted to ask Sam about the top end of the club um, with the NPL and the Men's State League. Is there a plan to have connection to other parts of the club you did mention the other grounds like there's multiple grounds that the club plays across but is there a connection from the elite part down to those junior parts so that we can you know, clarify the pathway to the younger parts make sure that there's role modeling that happens and um you know overlap at some point to allow people into the different spaces to just see how things go and run yeah definitely i mean that's that's always um a, a really good a structure to have in place to be able to have connection throughout the club. And, and it is difficult in a, in a, let's say, a mixture of semi-professional and amateur environment because of the, the time restrictions. Um, and that's something you're always going to challenge in, you're going to face in a MPL environment or even clubland environment because a lot of the time, the people's time at the club is really only their training or game times, whereas in a professional environment, you're, you've kind of, you do your training, but you're still professionally linked to the club that's your only job so that's one of the big challenges um but definitely trying to find time uh to make that work and also get some buy-in from everyone a a lot of it is just being open and and actually being approachable and working together as soon as you get people with egos in the club it makes it difficult it starts to create fractures i think if we've got good people um that's the first thing that's really going to help which i think i'm pretty confident we have um, obviously there's still big parts of the club to get up and running in terms of the community space um, but as for like the MPL and the women's MPL and the men's state league I'm really happy with where we're at at the moment it's quite nice at the moment to have the um, the girls and the guys are both training Tuesday Thursdays and are crossing paths with Murdoch quite a lot which is cool I think a lot of it is getting to know people see the same faces um, so that's really cool the coaching staff getting to, to know each other and learn each other's names and and that can start that process. And then it's about trying to organise things like senior players to come spend some time down in the, the junior part of the club, um, which is all kind of written to their contracts. They have an obligation to commit so many hours, which is kind of going to be up to me and the other guys to organise to make as easy as possible for them to do that. Um, and then trying to get, I think, people like coaches down. And, and one of my big things is trying to invite many coaches from the clubs down to observe sessions. Um, and just be a bit more open and sharing because uh, that can create a really good link to to getting to know people and be able to feel that you're more connected to more of the club. Um, and there's lots of good people at the club that, that, that want to do that and see that change. So 
um, creating a place where even little things like I've tried to move the women's played on Friday nights last year. The players are probably going to hate me for this, but I think that moving the games to a Sunday uh, one and three kickoff make it a bit more uh, family orientated in terms of people coming to watch the game. Um, trying to get different games played before the senior women's games so people are already down there. Um, having the men's on the, the regular kickoff times on a Saturday, but trying to get um, players and people from the club down to watch those games um, and, and build a bit of support through that. And I think it's a lot easier if you kind of know those people. So if you've seen some of those people around your training sessions um, or coming to your match day, then it's like, oh, I recognise that person and maybe I'll come down and watch the first thing because, you know, two of the players came and did a session with me last week. And, and I think that's how you kind of start to build... Um, a bit of a community um, throughout the club instead of a lot of forced uh, interaction. So that's kind of my goal, and that will be hopefully um, ticking along as we go. And we'll take some time, but um, my biggest aim is to just try and have good people at the club because I think that goes a long way. Sam, yeah. is the car park open? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lucky I've, uh, someone gave me the number to, to the uh, Murdoch security team last week and... Uh, so I give them a call now and then, but to be honest, they they are really helpful when I when I've had them down. The guy was really helpful the other week, and and I think because little things like this where we're back up and running, maybe they're not used. To, it's not as like set in stone. So they they are. Uh, last few times I've been there, it's been open nice and early when I got there. Um, I think that's obviously a project that's that's happening. I'm not quite sure the exact dates, but they are going to fix up that car park area, which will make a big difference. Um, and, and it's good to see that there is progression there and that, that there are plans in place because I think that will that will make a big difference to have a nice kind of car park there uh, at Murdoch. And obviously there's plans over at Len Shearer to, to redo the clubhouse and stuff. So it's great to see that those plans are happening. Um, I think it's it's good that there's forward that's been taken and, and make it a better environment for, for people to come and watch and enjoy their football. And, and be able to get there too. If you want to encourage people outside of the club, like families, to come along and support, they need a, a nice space to park their car and to walk on without tipping over and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, that car park um, open. I was yeah. kind of hoping that you'd say, yes, the car park has been totally redone, Penny. It's looking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish. I think it's one of the biggest um, struggles. Like you mentioned before, the financing of um, a football at this level, um, we're lucky that, People like Brian Rayburn, the president, he's, it's probably his forte going out and chasing down and getting sponsorship yes. because the funding is really difficult and it's probably something that Australia, like football, definitely in general really needs to look at. Um, I don't have the answer right now, but obviously it'd be great to to find a model that really um, is better than the one that we've got in terms of you know kids having to pay quite a bit of money to play football. Um, it makes it difficult and clubs... And, and the hard thing for the clubs is... They say, okay, these are the fees for like JMPL for a season. You think, geez, that's a bit steep. But, but the club's not really making any money from that. They're having to do that to keep themselves afloat and to provide a service. So it is difficult. You're not getting a lot of funding, so you need to go out and chase sponsorship. And then one of the things I'm working with, Brian, is building areas of the club that can, that can try and generate money that we can put back into the club, like extra sessions, holiday camps, five-a-side, summer tournaments, things that can also give back to the community and, and hopefully don't we don't need to charge an arm and a leg so we can actually build some money that then gets pumped back into the club. So these are all the challenges that you have in an MPL environment um, and a large community club because fields aren't free, lights aren't free, 
gear isn't free. Like, there's a lot of cost involved. Um, I like that you can... understand all of that and that you bring that into the conversation because, mm. you know, you could be the type of technical director or you know, manager of the club that's like, this is how it is. You don't get that. You get oh, yeah. that. You worry about that. You you nick off. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to hear you accommodating in the conversation, Sam. It's a, it's a good yeah, uh, well, I... yeah, attitude for a technical director to have. Yeah, I think. Listen, it's funny when I when I first um, I was aware of the technical director director title, and and you you see it over in Europe, and you think, oh, what a cool job that's like. You're just out there coaching, directing football, right? <laughs> but in re- realistically, <laughs> it's a lot more. It's a lot more than that. Um, and that's I knew that when I took it on. Uh, probably not the first time I agreed to it, but de- now definitely I know what it is. And and you are, you are you have to be multifaceted. You've got to help in lots of different areas. You're gonna marry the um, job. Yeah, I know, and I, and I look at it like a learning for me. Like you get to learn a lot of things of how to manage people, how to work in a business. Like that. it's a lot different to just going out and directing people on how to play football, um, which is can be difficult, but it's it's a really cool challenge to have. Um, and I think generally a lot of people they like if you can. I like to try and give as much information as possible, and if some of it sticks, and I think people really like to know the why. You know, if if you say here's your fees turn up and that's your training session but if you say listen this is what goes into it this is why it's like this um this is what we provide this is some information around you know extra sessions and 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 extra programs and and stuff like that and people can make their own decision around that and say okay like instead of just being told what to do i think generally people like to have a bit more of an understanding and feel that once they can see a little bit from your side there's hopefully a bit of more common ground there and, and i get it parents are customers really um it's not yes it's not a free program it, it'd be completely different if you said either we're we're paying you or, or or you're getting this for free then you can create a little bit differently but when but really it's their customers to a degree so you have to kind of understand that and especially if i mean i've had to sit down with parents and kids who have been in a club for from let's say under sixes through to under 16s and you're telling them listen i'm sorry but you know next year you won't be at the club and they say well i've spent 20 grand at this club you know and it's like you have to appreciate that that they're, they're each year these people are paying fees and yes they are for things like gear and coaches and things but it is it's a lot of money right and, and people want to feel like they want to have their say so you have to appreciate that doesn't mean you cater to every single person um, but you are trying to understand that. I think when people see that you, that you are showing that you're there to try to listen to them and try and help and explain it, you get a lot less um, pushback and a lot more buy-in. So you're never going to please everyone. That's that's normal with any walk of life. But I think um, trying to be open and, and explain why you're doing things and what the purpose of it and what you're trying to achieve, a lot more people will buy in. And then if they don't, well, that's not people that probably don't want you don't want at the club anyway. So yeah. um, that's kind of my aim. Can, can I just uh, mention too? It's probably uh, appropriate at this time to say that uh, it'd be nice if there was an explosion in the registration of females at the club to a point where the one women's vice president who coordinates all of the female programs, which is quite a massive job. Mm. Um, it gets so overloaded that the club goes, oh, my God, we need to have age coordinators in the female program. And then the women's vice president gets help. 
Yeah. Like in the men's side of the program at the club. The club is yeah. like 1,500 members. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about servicing customers. So, and all these roles are volunteer. So, to be serviced properly, they have to have the right resources. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it'd be nice to have uh, you know, registrations are open, register, and then the club goes, oh my God, we've got a great income. Let's facilitate getting more resources to yeah. manage that area that's clearly growing. Yeah. Yeah, and that is. Unfortunately, it's really hard for a lot of businesses, and if you look at a football club like that, to to go out and say, you know what, we feel that we're going to invest first. You know, like, let's get age coordinators, and then hopefully the players come. Often, as we all know, things we need things to happen to, to create change. So I'm hoping that by getting lots of registrations and girls that want to play and we've put the forms out there to try and get interest and, and I think we will get a lot of interest back that we can go to the committee and the board and everyone and say listen we need these people like look how many people um, and girls want to sign up and play football so you know Rosie Haynes is there kind of doing it by herself at the moment um, how can we facilitate more help and create more roles to to match up obviously the, the big um, numbers on the boys and men's side we hopefully to, to have the similar thing on the girls and women's side. So um, the registrations are ticking in, but it'd be good to see them flying even quicker so we can we can really help Rosie. And obviously, you know, everyone, like you said, are volunteers and so are the people on the committee. So we, we can't, like, meet daily. Um, so the next committee, committee meeting is coming up soon and that's very high on the agenda is, is making sure that we have um, support in the, in the women's space as, as much as we do in the men's space um, to try and create an environment where it's much easier to facilitate all these players, hopefully, that want to come and join the club um, and create as many girls' teams as possible um, will be really cool. So I'm hoping that's something that we can do this season. And it doesn't necessarily mean a pathway into playing for Perth Glory like uh, Clara Mm. Howell. It's just uh, community football as well and enjoying your football. I mean, everyone pays to play football, so it's income coming into the club, but it's also... A opportunity to play something that you like and um, be healthy and um, yeah, you know, that's that's good for. I'd say running a boat. Yeah, that's ideal. Yeah. Must be. exactly. Yeah. Um, just a quick one on the littlies that we do on a Saturday morning. Um, when does that start again? Is that after Easter or? Uh, I think they get some stuff going in February, but I think. Um, they start sort of end of February. I was speaking with a guy, uh, Sat Gill is um, in charge of all the, the mini roos. So we're kind of in conversation and those teams are starting to kick in in terms of players getting interest and I'm going to help them run some, some trials and get numbers down. So um, I think they do start like properly after Easter, but there is some stuff happening beforehand um, and a lot of it is obviously trying to figure out how many numbers we've got and, and how that all works. So that's um, something that I'm working with Sat um, to, to to make sure we're kind of all ready to go because there is there's a lot of numbers down in that space. Um, so if we get more, we need to figure out you know more coaches, more field space, more uh, more logistics of, of running all of that. So, um, but Sat's great. He's been we've been kind of talking a lot and and looking to also add some um, to build on. A, a Mark Jones had a, had a football mastery program. I think that's a really cool idea to add like extra sessions that are optional that people don't feel they're forced to do but if they want to do um, we can have some extra sessions that people can come down for the, at a reasonable cost that really just run basically to if it's going to make any money it's going to go back into the club anyway 
And it's there also to provide a platform for coaches to do some extra sessions and for kids to do extra sessions um, and help them improve and see that improvement in their in their games and, and, and also just to enjoy it. I think it's really important that really from under sixes to under nines, it's more facilitating than, than um, coaching, so to speak, and you're trying to create just a fun environment where a lot of it's hidden learning, you know, fun games where they're getting lots of touches on the ball um, and enjoying some time with, with either the same kids from their team or different kids, yeah. um, boys and girls mixed together or or maybe separate if they're mixed together on the weekend, like just creating some different opportunities for, for all kids. Yeah, I, I must admit some of the coaching styles is not very good because quite often you've got maybe uh, parents doing it uh, and they could be foodie parents actually, uh, especially in the younger ages, and they've got them running around the oval. You know, why does a child of five, six years old need to run around the oval? You know, give them a yeah. ball each, and they'll let them, you know, a twenty by twenty, and let them try and keep it under control. And yeah. that's how they learn. And that's how they, they get their touches. But that seems to have all fallen, fallen away. Um, yeah, and that's going to be one of my big challenges as well. I, I really think um, a lot of the time I need, I'll be spending helping coaches because really it is volunteers and, and people's hearts are in the right places and sometimes they, you know, whether it's a lack of, of understanding or, or just being put under pressure because, you know, maybe they've put their hand forward because no one else has and they want their kids to have yeah. a team and then they don't really know that much. They're not getting supported. That's the big challenge, right? So it's easy to kind of look at, um, some coaches and think, geez, they don't know what they're doing. But a lot of the time, there's, there's a reason why that's happening. Uh, I'm hoping that I can um, do a bit of coaching of the coaches. So, you know, put on some yeah. demo sessions, have a bit of a, um, a, a, log, a, a Google Drive or a logbook of, here you go, guys, here's some easy sessions. And really, to be honest, the, the, the football curriculum that was put out a while ago now, there's still some really good stuff in there. Um, obviously, it's always ever-evolving, but there's some... There's some great simple stuff to put on for those ages and help just support those people so the parents that are committing their time and volunteering, they don't feel like they're getting hung out to dry. Yeah. And I can show them some simple ways to, to put on good sessions for kids of that age. And really, once you see it, you realise how simple it is. But it is difficult if you don't have a footballing background. You may be trying to go back off what you remember when you were six, seven, eight, which has probably changed dramatically yeah, um, it does. over the course of that time. So... Yeah, it is about supporting those parents because it's. I'd love to have like you know twenty or thirty professional coaches, um, <laughs> but it's not realistic. It's not even realistic in A League environments at the moment. Yeah. I don't think there's many A League academies that have full time head coaches of under thirteens, fourteens, or fifteens. So, yeah. so whereas you look in Europe and like yeah. the money being spent in the academy space is ridiculous, right? So yeah. that's something that that I really want to try and help um, and give people the tools to be you know, more successful, so to speak, but, but actually feel a bit more supported. Yeah, and that's excellent. Sam, it's been absolutely awesome having a chat to you. Thanks so much for giving us above and beyond there. Well done. No, no worries. No worries <laughs> at all. It's always good to chat. Yeah, it is. Uh, keep that relaxed uh, manner. I, I feel that's going to get everything you want while you're at Mum FC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, relaxed in front of the people at Mum FC and then... Uh, my wife sees a completely different side of me when I'm all stressed at home. She, she does get to see you. That's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. At 11 o'clock at night when I'm on my laptop trying to figure out a field plan. But yeah. it's all good. We'll, um, the people at Mum FC will ever see me smiling. Yeah. Good one. That's good. Good on you, Sam. You've got a lot on Thanks, your plate guys. there. We'll catch up with you again through the season. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, see ya. Cheers, Sam. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.
uh, Sam Gallagher, the Mum FC technical director. Always good for a chat and uh, always putting his hands in to help and facilitating yeah. a lot of uh, you know, crossovers from here to there, which is great. That's what the club needs. Yeah. Lots of yeah. connection and engagement. No, it's good. I think he's a good uh, good, good fit. Yeah. yeah. Good fame, good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, um, it's a massive club. Got uh, a lot to cross over and fit and connect. So yeah, bring it on. All right, this is Penn and Dave on the World Football Program. We've got another three calls for an hour of talking football, and we'll come back and have a chat to Gareth Morgan, the Perth Glory media man. Back very shortly. One hundred seven point nine FM, your local station. Football is more than just a ball. It's where we find our feet, where we find our voice and a place to belong, where we get to express our true selves. Following the footsteps of our heroes, we can go from small to 10 feet tall, where we can all write our best stories. Because this game, the world's biggest game, has space for us all. Find your place. Join our team. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au We come from many places and though we are as different as the roads we travel we come together to stand shoulder to shoulder with strangers united here we're all equal we all have our part to play. We're all fans, and this is our game. It's not always pretty, but to us, it will always be beautiful. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware, components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. Penny and Dave in the studio. If you miss any part of the show, you can hop online to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website and click on podcast. There's lots of other technological things I don't understand, like Spotify and this and that and whatever that you can (laughs) log on to and share. Please share. We love you to do that. We are back talking more football for the next three quarters of an hour or so and the jazz show Len and Bags Groove will take on from 12 o'clock. Our guest now is Gareth Morgan, the media man for Perth Glory. 
Good morning, Gareth. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We do appreciate that. A lot happening in the football world, as always. Uh, the Glory teams are playing this weekend. And, of course, the big one for me is Perth Glory uh, playing against Adelaide. Big game for us, as always. All the games are big games at the moment for the women at the moment. Gareth, we're fourth on the table and we need to be number one. How are we going to get there? Yeah, it's been interesting, Penny. I, I, don't, I think it's maybe a bit harsh to say the women have gone off the boil, but they've certainly slowed down a little bit in, in the last few weeks. And that was put to Alex Apakis after the most recent game against Brisbane Raw. And, and the suggestion was that maybe Glory caught some of the other teams a little bit by surprise in the first half of the season. And they've now had had a look at the way Glory set up and the yes. tactics and the formation and so on and uh, possibly adjusting. And it might be a case of, Glory needing to adjust and, and, and tweak themselves in order to sort of regain that advantage and hopefully get back to winning ways against Adelaide this afternoon. Well, that's 100% it, isn't it? And you've got playing stocks and your coaching strategies that you pull out of your back pocket and you go, OK, which one am I going to use now? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think another point that was made in that press conference was just how competitive uh, the division is or, or the the. ALW is this season. I mean, when you think about it, Brisbane came into that game in 10th. And I don't know how you felt about it, Penny, but certainly I thought they were one of the better teams that we've played at Macedonia Park this season in every department other than finishing. And I think if they'd, you know, if they'd been a bit more clinical in front of goal, there's a, a good chance we would have come away with, with nothing from that game rather than a point. So it's, I, I think it's a very, very competitive division this year and that makes me a little bit wary about Adelaide I know they're currently bottom only one I think it's three games so far this season but if Brisbane are anything to go by yeah certainly wouldn't want to be taking them lightly yeah they've lost a few players um, goal scorers which is rather handy and good for us at, at this moment um, but yes in the top five teams there's only nine points difference we are sitting fourth underneath Sydney Western United and uh, I keep saying Manchester City, but I mean Melbourne City. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, the first half of the season was absolutely awesome. The style of football was fantastic. Um, and maybe the style of football is still the style to be playing. Just maybe add some different players in that can add their little tips and tricks that can just you know, unbalance the way that the game is played. Because I love that attacking football that we've brought to this season. I, I absolutely love it. And so do the fans love it. It won us games and it's it's action football. That's entertainment, right? That's yeah. what we want to see. Um, and we don't want that to change. So we've got uh, the likes of Clara Hawal from Mum FC. Uh, we've got um, Tia Stonehill, who's an awesome attacker and has uh, won uh, goal, goal, highest goal scorer of the year several times in the local yeah. league. So we've got Clearly players enough. that we can bring in to change things up. But... Uh, yeah, let's hope that uh, Alex, who I think is getting married and isn't there for this game, by the way, and congratulations to Alex. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. I think he wanted to keep that fairly... Uh, no. You know, fairly, fairly off the radar. But, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah, Tiana, Tiana Gauchi will, will take charge this afternoon, Alex's assistant. Yep, and that might bring a, a different uh, vibe to the team, a, a little bit of a, a different strategy. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, congratulations to Alex on getting married. Um, it's good that uh, soccer doesn't get in the way of that. Life goes on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, now, Macedonia Park, Gareth, 
we're all wondering what the little building, as you look with your back to the main building, what's the little building on the far right that's getting built? I'd, I'd love to say it's a brand new media centre, Penny, but <laughs> unfortunately that would uh, <laughs> that, that would be completely false. I have no idea. We were speculating about that um, during the Brisbane game. Looks very nice, but I have I have zero idea uh, what what that is. We actually there. we actually we're thinking it might have housed media or something to do with the A League W because it's kind of just happened while Perth Glory have occupied. Macedonia Park in the past uh, six months or so. There you go. We'll have to ask further afield. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's anything to do... I've got a feeling it's nothing to do with football, to be honest. Because okay. uh, they, they're clearly developing something, aren't they, in that, that area sort of behind the goal, between the goal and the road there. So, yep. um, yeah, I, I don't think it's football-related, but I'm sure Luke Pavlos would, uh, would have more of an idea down there at Sterling Macedonia. Mm. Yep, all right. We'll, we'll have to get onto the soccer grapevine and get some more intel about that. Now, Gareth, uh, Perth Glory have definitely had their challenges this season, but they've got some awesome coaches in, in place. And we have fantastic pathways for football with underpinning programs, young players coming through. Um, do we have, can we make an announcement of a, of a new owner for Perth Glory? Can we do it on the show right now? <laughs> I'd absolutely love to, Penny, but. Um... No, I mean, I think the one thing I can say about Cordamenta and APL is that they've, in terms of keeping us across what's happening as far as the ownership is concerned, they have been keeping, they've kept their cards very close to their chest throughout um, in the build-up to the previous announcement that obviously subsequently went awry. We were literally, well, I wouldn't say kept in the dark, but certainly they they keep things to themselves and we're sort of told as and when, but at, at the moment, I don't have any, I don't have any confirmed information on, on a potential takeover, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Moving on. We'll, uh, we'll keep asking the question out there until a fantastic piece of news lands somewhere and we'll all be happy for it. Um, onto, yep. onto the men's side of things. Um, uh, MacArthur and Perth Glory is the, the next match that's on today. Um, Glory is sitting 11th on the table in the men's league. So I'm, I'm very, actually very happy when I say this because I instantly go to think of the women and the fact that they're sitting fourth on the table and I think Perth Glory are doing okay. That's my take on things, but that's just me you know, and, and my female soccer bias there. So we've got a bit of work to do in, in the men's side of things. What's your thoughts on today's game? Any game changes that are going to get out there and do the business over MacArthur? Yeah, just to note, it's, it's Sunday for the men. Um, oh, it's only Saturday, and then, oh, yes. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I think it's the yeah, it's the Australia Day public holiday. It I keep is. thinking it's Sunday. I keep thinking it's Sunday today. It's confused me no end. But um, yeah, an interesting one. We obviously it was only a tiny bit over a month ago that we played Macarthur last time and had that famous last minute win or stoppage time win at HBF Park. Dave Williams scoring in front of the shed and, and sparking some fantastic celebrations that. Uh, we all enjoyed, I think, members, fans, players and staff alike. So definitely beatable. Uh, they are unbeaten in the last four, the Bulls, although three of those have been draws. Uh, I think they've only failed to score once this season. Equally, I think they've only kept the one clean sheet. So um, bearing in mind that glory games do tend to be goal fests at the moment, I wouldn't, yes. be, I wouldn't be putting money on this being a, a nil-nil by any means. I think historically we, we haven't done particularly well 
over there against them at Campbelltown Stadium. We still haven't actually beaten them uh, away from home. So hopefully time to uh, correct that. Obviously, we managed to, to, I suppose, lay a bit of a ghost to rest last week with that away win, the first away win in over a year. And fingers crossed we can, uh, we can do the same and, and get a first ever away win over the Bulls on Sunday. Gareth, you're spot on about the goal fest. I checked back through the stats and we've scored at least two goals in every match since December 16. Um, Tags, Adam Taggart is the league's third highest goal scorer with eight goals. I think mm. it's eight goals at the moment. Um, so we're doing okay. We're, we're scoring goals, but we're conceding goals yeah. too. Yeah, that's right, and, and Stadge hasn't shied away from that. Um, he has accepted that you know, defensively we just haven't haven't been good enough, and you can't be relying on your your forwards to score two or three goals every single game in order to even get a share of the spoils. I think as well, there've been so many late goals, both scored and conceded. It's one of those ones you certainly don't want to leave a glory game early or knock the TV off with with ten minutes to go because it's just been late drama almost every single week. So. Yeah, I, I would certainly watch right to the end tomorrow if you are tuning in to Paramount to watch the game against MacArthur. Last week's, I think it was the first goal that we scored, that was an absolute bloody cracker. Mm. Seriously, that was just textbook stuff. Yep. Yeah. That's, okay. that's the other thing. Scored, scored a lot of goals and scored a lot of absolute bangers as well. I imagine this season's uh, goal of the season competition at MGP is going to be one of the highest quality for a good while. And you're absolutely right. Some brilliant goals. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, Macedonia Park. Um, how's that panning out for um, the, the the ladies? And the, and just talk us through the crossover for the NPL season. How that's going to work locally? Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as far as I know, that the fixtures are all locked in. Uh, personally, I, I love the games at Macedonia Park. I, I love the atmosphere. I think uh, the members and fans that that come along have made it, I mean, I know it's a bit of a, uh, a stereotype or whatever you want to call it, a bit of a cliche, but they have made it a bit of a fortress. I know away teams don't particularly like coming there. Um, I, I, yeah, the, the evening kickoff, it's sort of, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. They're not ideal for families, but then equally is kicking off at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, in the middle of January stroke February. That's not ideal for families either. So that's uh, that's just one of those things, unfortunately. But um, what's the yeah, the, I, I the reason for the change from seven o'clock to the later kickoff? Um, this was this was from ATL because apparently the sunset was causing viewing issues for those watching on TV. Um, yeah, I mean, I have looked looked back at some of the footage, and it is at times it, it was a little bit difficult to see what was going on. But um, yeah, so they they mandated that it, the kickoffs needed to be moved back by by half an hour. So we didn't have any any say in that, unfortunately. Wow. But uh, we've had some some great nights down there, and uh, yeah, like I said, from a, a media ops point of view, it's fantastic because everything's so close. You know, you you can be on the pitch in thirty seconds if you need to be. You can be in the little room where we have the presses in 30 seconds as well. So selfishly, I, I absolutely love us playing there. <laughs> I love it too. I mean, we're, we're getting crowds between 1,000 and 1,500 and it feels like it's filling the stadium and it's a big meet-up for the football community, Gareth. It's promoting a, a, a great atmosphere. Um, a lot of females um, do reunions beforehand, like at the Osborne Park Hotel and um, surrounds, yeah. and then they just go to the game and they 
I don't think they watch half the game because they're talking and their mates are there. And the families are there. So they're watching their kids, like the toddlers run around and whatever. But it's great. I love it. There's, there's grass and it's so close. And it's to me, it's just lovely. It really is. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you're spot on. And, and the thing is, when you do take kids to football of a certain age, let's face it, they, they watch for maybe five minutes, ten minutes, and then they just want to be running about and yep. kicking a ball around or rolling down a grass bank or whatever it, it might be. And the fact that they can do that and you can still be watching the game and also keeping an eye on them is absolutely ideal. So it's a it's a great venue and full credit as well to the guys from Sterling Macedonia. They couldn't be more helpful in terms of everything they provide us with and they're always a solution to any little problems that come up. And, uh, yeah, hats off to... Luke Pavlos and, and the crew at Macedonia Park. They're fantastic to work with. Absolutely. And I, I should have mentioned that uh, Millie Farrow for the Perth Glory Women has scored six goals from 13. So um, Millie Farrow and Adam Taggart are the highest goal scorers, respectively, for the men and women glory team. Okay. Yeah. So it would be, would be lovely for Millie to still hasn't scored at home, which uh, I mentioned to her the other day because I think she's got quite the celebration planned. Um, she's only scored on the road, six goals on the road, which is uh, an interesting little wrinkle. But yeah. fingers crossed, next time we are at home, she'll uh, yeah, she'll correct that record and uh, get one in front of our own members and fans. Yeah, didn't didn't realise that one. Okay, um, what else do we need to put across the fans to watch any of the games this weekend? Okay, yeah, well, so we've got the women live and free on ten play. That's two thirty kickoff. Uh, WA time this afternoon. Then it's a two o'clock kickoff for the men. Uh, WA time tomorrow. Uh, that one on Paramount. And then, if you do fancy a bit of uh, live action in person, Glory's first, the PGFC Academy first team, should I say, their first um, night series game is on Sunday, and that is down at Macedonia Park against Bayswater. That's a five o'clock kickoff uh, in Group B uh, this. This year, John Wormsley side, quite a tough group actually. Got Bayswater in there, Sterling are in there, Perth SC as well, Floriot, and I think Fremantle City make up make up the group. So that campaign gets underway on Sunday afternoon. If you do fancy taking in a bit of live glory action in person this weekend, yeah, yeah, good one for that. Um, there was something else I was going to mention. Um, the glory Perth Glory men playing at HBF Park. Uh, what's the average crowds there? At the moment, do you know what this this year? Yes, um, I'm averaging around about five, I think, penny altogether. Yeah, um, okay. So far, yeah. And yeah. and the the news is that the Perth Glory team in the NPL are going to play at the Sam Kerr Football Centre now. Does that mean they'll be training and playing there? Not sure about training, um, but as far as I'm aware, yeah, it'll be the first team, and obviously the twenties and the eighteens will be playing out there which is yeah which I think is, is good news as much as as Rockingham was a you know was a great venue and again that the, the people down at Rockingham really looked after us when we were down there obviously it's unless you happen to live in the southern suburbs it's, it's fairly tricky to get to so a bit more of a, a central location which I know a lot of the people that go and watch our academy teams on a regular basis will be will be pleased with and, and a fantastic you know brand new facility out there in in Welshpool or Queen's Park Absolutely, and we want to use it as much as possible. And yeah, it'll be great for some of the you know, the community to get out there and watch games. Like the NTC will be playing there, match commentators will get out there, the the public will 
get out there and see the facilities. Um, yeah, really looking forward to more happening there, like it becoming a hub for football. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to see Perth Glory there one day too, Gareth, like just situate there in whatever way that happens. Like literally the whole club be there. Officers, training and everything, kit and caboodle. Is that, is that what Perth Glory is heading for, do you think? Hard to say, to be honest. Um, I mean, it, it makes it would make a lot of sense, you know, like you said, to have that, that football hub and then hopefully that would maybe see the public transport facilities kind of improved a little bit as well. I know some people have concerns over that, but there is, you know, the, the actual footprint of the state football, sorry, Sam Kerr Football Centre does seem quite big. It looks as if there's some areas that could be potentially developed, you know, towards the back of it there. So, yeah, it, it would make sense at a lot of different levels for that to happen. Yeah, you're right. And the, the public transport to get there at the moment is a bit woeful and people walk up and down the roads and so forth with um, parking not quite being enough in some big events that are there. But um, if we're going to have things land there, then that'll push, that'll give demand to infrastructure to be built around it. Exactly. Yeah. Building that will come and all that kind of thing. Gareth, you've been absolutely awesome. Thanks for jumping in and sharing the news about Perth Glory and uh, we wish them all the best in their, their matches. Thanks very much for your time. No, thanks very much, Penny. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure to come on and have a fantastic weekend. Good yeah, on you. Thanks, thanks Gareth. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. That was Gareth Morgan, the immediate manager for Perth Glory. He does do a little bit more in the public space these days. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think everyone's jumping in to help do what they can for Perth Glory, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen um, Anthony Radich, the the CEO for Perth Glory, out in the car park, shepherding cars at Macedonia Park various <laughs> times. So good on him for yeah, doing yeah. what he needs to do. Yeah. It's uh, all hands on deck. Absolutely. All right. Uh, any comments, Dave, before we go to a break and get Robbie Thompson? Um, got some results from last night at FA Cup. Ooh, do we, you know, I think maybe we can have a chat to Robbie about that. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. We'll go to break, get Robbie, and we'll chat everything else football we haven't chatted about at this point, okay. I reckon. Yeah. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? Find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill, Passing on knowledge. Making new friends. Is it finding a career path? Or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you. 
Without you, we might not make it. To survive, we need your chanting, ranting, stamping, shouting, flag waves, olays, claps, cheers, even your tears. Pledge your support, because if you're not there, we might be history. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That was an A-League promo from 2012. Yes, over 10 years ago now. Wow. Mm. Okay. Yep. I like to be nostalgic. <laughs> Good morning, Robbie. How are you? Good morning, Penn. I'm very well, or afternoon for me. Yes. Yep. It's almost a little siesta time before I head off to the next game. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Robbie Thompson on the line, Channel 10 and Paramount Plus match commentator. You've got a lot on your plate at the moment, Robbie. A bit of travel here and there, commentary for the Asian Cup and the A-League fixtures. You enjoying it all? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with uh, getting paid to watch football for a living. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very lucky lucky person. Yep. Um, but there is a lot on at the moment. I was in Melbourne last night for the Big Blue. I'm about to jump on a train and head up to the Central Coast who take on Brisbane this evening. And then I've got MacArthur versus Perth tomorrow. So while Simon and Harp are living their best lives in Qatar, someone's got to <laughs> keep the home fires burning. So so me and Macca are, are all over the place at the moment, but it's all good fun. Yeah, it is. And uh, it, Dave, what were you going to jump in? What was your take on, was it EPL that you wanted to squeeze some results in? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go on. Uh, just the, the FA Cup. Uh, Bristol City uh, had a nil-nil draw with Nottingham Forest. And uh, City have had quite a week, actually. Uh, a lot been going on. Um, Chelsea uh, had a nil-nil with uh, Aston Villa. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, the Coventry City, but that was a 1-1 draw. And uh, both of them are in the Championship. Uh, Tottenham nil, Man City 1. And something like the 87th minute. Who are you following, Dave? Uh I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe Tottenham, but uh, uh, the, the the football in, in the UK has been a bit sporadic due to weather and uh, what's going on. But it's be starting to kick in this weekend, and we're all up alive and kicking again. I just wonder what your uh, views on how the European leagues are going. Is that for me? Yeah. Yeah, wow. I've, I keep a very close watch on the French League, um, obviously, as we've spoken about in the past, because I've spent a lot of time, a lot of time there. So I keep, a, I keep a close eye on that. PSG are, are leading the way there, which is not really a surprise. But the French League, um, I think, is very interesting. In, in some ways, it's similar at a, at a different level to the A-League in that that's where so many exciting young players come from. I think there are more French players that play in the Champions League than any other nationality. Between them and Brazilians for, yeah. that play in the European Champions League. Just because they have such a, an incredible um, system and in place and infrastructure for coaching coaching youngsters. So it's a, it's a great breeding ground. I mean, Nice have been incredible this year there as well, but I'm sure this is fairly niche for, for your listeners who <laughs> would prefer I talk about <laughs> about the Premier League, um, which I don't follow that closely, I must say. Um, I've always just followed, really, the Australian players around. So in the old days, it was, you know, there was Bozza at 
at Aston Villa and and before that Craig Johnson at, at Liverpool, Tony Dorigo, we'd keep an eye on him, you know, and then when everyone went to, to Leeds we sort of would keep an eye on them. So I agree at the moment there's, you know, a lot of interest in Tottenham. Um I keep a, an eye on that. I saw the, the scrappy goal that beat them from Man City this morning in the FA Cup, um, which is unfortunate because that's going to be another trophyless season for for Ange. I mean, obviously, I don't know if you've spoken about it already, but the big news that came out of that just as we got off air last night um, was Jurgen Klopp, of course, announcing announcing that he's leaving Liverpool at yeah. the end of the season. That was that was massive and everyone was talking about it. I actually went out for dinner after the game. We got back at about 11 o'clock at night to the hotel in Melbourne and me and Bruce Jitte and Daniel Garb went out for a quick bite to eat. And the people at the next, we were talking about it, and the people at the next table were like, oh my God, yeah, who do you think is going to replace me at Liverpool? And then some <laughs> other guy sitting across the restaurant was like, yeah, my God, I had to leave while I was at work and I was so emotionally shocked by it. I had to just take time off work and come down and for a <laughs> drink and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, it's crazy how, so, I mean, you see the effect of it all. And this is a team on the other side of the planet with a German coach and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, some would say Liverpool's more than just a, a football team as well, which I get. Um, so, yeah, I like to keep an eye on it, but uh, not more than that. I think there's not much doubt that, you know, Man City are the best team on the planet. Ange said as much this morning after their victory. You know, I think he said, we hung in the game as long as we could, but that's all we did. I remember when I was at PSG and we played Man City. I mean, by by the end at, at PSG when we played Man City in the Champions League, it, you were just trying to stay in the game. And that was PSG, you know, with Neymar and Mbappe and um, amazing players. But Guardiola's City were just so incredible. I mean, we beat them once at the Parc des Princes, I think the last time, but they knocked us out of the semi-finals the one year and they were just uh, just a very impressive side and um, yeah I can't see anyway I mean you know they're, they're, they're an amazing football side no shame in losing in the cup 1-0 to them No, and uh, yeah keep an eye on the FA Cup because it remains that incredible incredible competition that links history and our and growing up and, and football dreams and everything so well it's the, the classic cup competition it is, and we are starting our FA Cup competition here in Australia. But yeah. um, that like, history, it, we it, it connects everyone, but it's not the same in England. I don't know how many uh, centuries of football there is in the history there, but you can think of some of the clubs there and the age that they're at playing some, the opportunity to play some pretty big uh, high-rolling clubs, and that's, that's the competition that everybody kind of pays attention to because of yeah but like pen i i remember i think we were chatting about it last year maybe the the fa cup here in australia has has just as many teams i think more teams than the fa cup in england the fa cup in england doesn't doesn't open the door to every single club in the country which we we more or less do i mean with in terms of if you're an mpl if you're if you're at that level you're in as well um we have a lot of clubs that play in our in our FA Cup competition as well, and and I think it's like something like 700, and I think it's quite similar to the FA Cup in England. Whereas if you look at, at France, for example, it's it's nearly 8,000 clubs take part in the French Cup every year, and that really is every single amateur 
club that can dream of going of going all the way. But we do pretty well. We have more players in our in our FA Cup in Australia, more amateur teams and everything than the Italian Cup or the Spanish Cup or or really a lot of a lot of big cups around the world. Not, I mean, the FA Cup is has more with prestige and everything, but but we do well for for linking the pyramid. We just don't have that history element of it. Yeah. But um, ours is a great competition as well for giving people a, an opportunity to knock off a, a high roller. Yeah, I think the numbers will increase this year. Actually, uh, there's a lot more uh, teams involved in the yeah. FA Cup. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, Robbie, are you saying that? In England, they don't tier the competition so that clubs in the lowest leagues can play each other and then have the opportunity to play up in the next tier of the competition and play upwards and then have the opportunity, if they do well, to play the top, very top clubs? Well, you can do That's it. how it works keep, keep in, in all cup, cup competitions, I think. Yeah, if you keep... I think, what is it, the third round where the Premier League clubs enter the, yep. the FA Cup yep. traditionally? Yeah. So in, in France, it's, I think it's like the eighth round. But that's how many before the, the the first division clubs join in the round of sixty four. Um, but I, I'll try and find that information I had about the number of clubs that take part. So it's similar. It's similar to the FA Cup here. You can't have, a, you know, if you keep winning, you can have an amateur club go all the way to to take on a, a first division side. And I don't want to railroad this towards France again. But PSG beat a, a part time team called Ravel nine nil in the first week of, of January. Um, and that was bus drivers and boiler makers and <laughs> I think IT experts who all took time off work to take on Kylian Mbappe and and, wow. <laughs> and the PSG players. There's a story and, for the grandkids. I mean, that that's, that is really an incredible story. They were from the sixth division. So they were just... And they'd managed to win through with a bit of luck in the draw, you know, and everything and taking on teams around their their level... They got to the round of 64 and they're taking on, you know, I think it's the third richest side in the world. Was that just announced by Deloitte? Um, yeah, that's crazy. I think this week that they've just overtaken, PSG have just overtaken someone else. I mean, it's crazy, crazy money. So, yeah, those, and that's what the Cup gives you, isn't it? The Cup hopefully gives you those, uh, those amazing opportunities. And hopefully, like we're seeing in Australia, we can have the MPL sides and, and lower get involved and, and try and you know, get one of those big scalps. Yep. So uh, you did make an interesting comment there about the Brazilians and the French players, and and I'm going to assume your comment about the infrastructure of football in France is relative to the infrastructure in in Brazil. Is that what you're saying, or would Brazil just be sheer numbers of players? I think it's that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I, I think there is an element of that because the the two. And I think this is statistically, this is what was always said like 10, 15 years ago, that the two biggest wells of football talent in the world were the greater Paris area, like with all its suburbs, which is about 12 million, 14 million people, and Sao Paulo. And now Sao Paulo, I don't know how many people it is there. And probably the, the demographics are different. I mean, the suburbs of Paris, it's not your baguette-eating, beret-wearing, red wine-drinking <laughs> um, Frenchman smoking a cigar sitting at a cafe-side, you know, street-side cafe. Um, it's mass immigration. It's sprawling suburbs, um, not easy for a lot of people. 
and football is the people's sport. Yeah. And football for, you know, uh, immigrants from North Africa, from, from South America, from less fortunate areas of Europe as well that move, that find themselves in in Paris and, in, and you have to say it, in sometimes in very disadvantaged situations. I mean, football is their ticket. Football is their their way out. And France is a, a country that does a lot to help everyone. France has an incredible welfare system. All medical is free. All education is free all the way right through. Um, they look after a, a lot of a lot of people, but football still is a, a ticket out of poverty, out of a difficult situation for for many many people in in France. I'm not sure if those elements are the same as in Sao Paulo, where you just have I think you know millions of people and football again there is the ticket for those for those Brazilian kids that are growing up in very difficult situations. But that is what football is and always has been. Football, same for the immigrant communities that arrived in Australia that were disadvantaged and they found their joy and their path and their opportunity in football. Football has always been the working class sport, whether, you know, Scottish and, and Irish that came to Australia first, all the other immigrant communities. That's what football does. So, you know, it, it makes sense in a way as well, that these these two massive metropolises are the, the, the biggest wells for, for young talent coming through. And everywhere you look, every every team you look in, in Europe, you'll find French players and Brazilians that, 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 that are going all the way. And it's, yeah, it's always been that way. That's an awesome aside. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, lo- I love an aside yeah. or an anecdote. We're, we're <laughs> awesome at that, and you align with that perfectly. Now, let's talk Asian Cup. Um, my my little aside there is Bruno Fornaroli is playing more games for the Socceroos since he became an Australian citizen. I mean, we know that he's doing the deed for the A League, yeah. and he's you know been invited up into the Socceroos camp, and he's getting more game time there. What's your thoughts on that one, Robbie? Um, I think it's great. I think when you know we can we can. There's no doubt we needed to take a goal scorer. Um, hopefully he'll get a little bit more playing time. I think because he's in he's in brilliant form. Um, yes. I think he was a little bit hard up not to start ahead of Cassini Yengi, but I think obviously Yengi I think is, has different attributes um, and brings different things to the table. And Graham Arnold, you know, he's the, he's the one that makes the makes the call in the end. But it's great that we have. I mean, we've had all these Scottish-born players come through. Um, with a, a parent, like there's been perhaps more of a link to to to, to their their selection, if you like, than Bruno Fornaroli. But but I love the fact that Bruno clearly loves Australia. That his that his kids have been brought up here. That they you know the kids are, are Aussie through and through. Um, yes, it was an opportunity for him to play international football, and I think as a footballer, he he wanted that as well. But I think if Australia didn't need him. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have picked him either. He's done he's done his time. He's got the passport. Um, fair game. Call him up, and I'd like to see a little bit more of him because I think we can use that that presence and what we saw in the A League this season. Thirteen goals. I mean, he hasn't played for for this will be the fourth game he misses for for Melbourne victory. Well, last night that he didn't play, and they're struggling to score without him, and he's still top of the scoring charts by some distance with thirteen goals. Um, and I, I'm all for it. I think it's great that he's there. Well, Melbourne victory are sitting top of the table at the moment. Yep. 
They're doing, they doing, are. doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And look, uh, you know, we've got through in the Asian Cup, Socceroos are, are through, finished on top of the table and knockout yeah. phase. Here Indonesia, we come. Indonesia, big game coming up. Hopefully yes. we'll start playing with a little bit... Um, well, I've got... I, I, can I, do I have time to launch yes. another quick discussion with you yes. very quickly about this? Because I, I, I'm thinking and comparing our performance here to our performance at Qatar in the, in the World Cup, which was just over, you know, literally just 13 months ago or whatever. And I'm wondering why we have a different appraisal of our performance and why our performance as well is not as exciting as it was in Qatar. And, and I'm thinking all the other teams at the World Cup thought they could beat us. They weren't worried about playing us. They tried to take the game to us. And it's easier to play against the team that's attacking you. And we were able to sit back and try and transition. Leckie's goal against Denmark, um, you know, the, the, the header from Mitch Duke against Tunisia. Here, it's a different story. We're playing teams that are sitting back that think we're better than them. And so they want to be the side that defends and tries to hit on the counterattack and make life difficult for us. It's hard to play against that. And I think also, at some point, we think we're coming here as not a, not like at the World Cup. We're coming here as, you know, a potential quarter semi-finalist, perhaps even finalist. Perhaps, you know, winning it is not beyond the realm of, of, of all reality. So we're not playing with an urgency and a, and, a, and a fighting spirit, if you like, that we showed in Qatar. I don't know what you guys think of that, yeah. but there's something at the moment that we're not playing with enough speed and hunger to open up these sides. Even if I think tactically it's a lot harder to play against sides that are sitting back and waiting for us to come. Well, I, my thought on that is that uh, Graham Arnold's doing Graham Arnold. So he's canvassing Australia again for talent and he's putting them into a space where he's balancing us needing to progress and we need to find the next lot of players that can seamlessly transition through the international uh, competitions. I, I feel that's where he's at. And that's this. And always, always there's a gap from how we went in a competition when you should pe be peaking for, with all the best teams yep. and players mm -hmm. to now we've got to somehow Australia has to bring whatever we have that's the best and young and new together again and repeat that. But how do we do it seamlessly? Australia don't seem to ever do that seamlessly. Mm. And that's, we don't do seamless. No, we don't. We, we just don't. <laughs> but Graham Arnold is doing Graham Arnold. He's canvassing to get more players in. It's, it's clear. There's new faces, new names, yeah, yeah. different positions. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we have to do better as a nation at that, that transition because other countries who are better at it will just defeat us. Mm -hmm. that, that's the gap, yeah. Robbie. And can yeah, we can yeah. we talk about this next time? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, with it, pleasure. It, it's a great conversation, and I appreciate all your distractions. We brought everything into the conversation we needed to. So well done. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, well, next up, the Matildas are in action in a in a one month exactly yes. to qualify for the Olympics. So that will be a. Yep. An interesting one to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, we'll have you back before then and we can talk more football for sure. Perfect. Good one. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Ben. Cheers, Thanks, Robbie. Dave. Uh, Pleasure to be on. Yep. Bye -bye. See ya. Robbie Thompson, match commentator for Channel 10 and Paramount Plus. Dave, we got through another two hours. Yeah. No problems at all. Len and Bags Groove and his jazz show is up next. We finished our two hours. You can listen on the podcast on the worldfootballprogram.com.au. Yeah. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Of, the team uh, is back again next year. Next absolutely. week, actually, next week. We'll be back next year as well. <laughs> Good on you, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening in.